stay. Okay. What do you think of that verse? It's a great verse. I shall not ashamed of the gospel. You remember times in your life when you were ashamed of things? I mean, some of you, like when you did something wrong, right? You're like, mm. but even, but we're not really talking about that in this circumstance. We're talking about things when we're like, mm, you're not fitting in with the crowd. You guys remember mid-school? I know for some of you guys a long time ago. Um, you guys remember mid-school? I mean, you didn't fit into nothing. You were a mid-schooler. I mean, so that's just the way it works, right? But um, I remember not knowing like anything that was outside of the norm. You're like tempted to be ashamed of it, you know, whether it be like the kind of music you like to listen to, because everyone else is listening to this, and you're like, I don't know what that music is, but everyone else is. Should I be listening to this too, or the movies that are on, or the, you know, you're always like. We have temptations, you know, clothes you wear. We have those temptations. And and, um, I think Paul here is talking about more about that kind of thing, that he's not in the norm at this moment. He's not in with the social crowd. He's not in with what everyone else is doing. It's easy to say I'm not ashamed of something if everyone else is doing it. I mean, think about in this United States the, the current climate. When you guys were, some of you, when you were young, um, you remember a time when everyone you knew was a Christian. I mean, some of you knew that, remember that. And so it was easy to be a Christian. Well, we're currently in a place in the United States where most people are, are not Christians. And so it's becoming more difficult to be a Christian um, because you're not fitting in with the norm. And it's actually going to, we're, we're, we're seeing a social trend, and a lot of people are commenting on this in the academic world, about how it's getting to the point where it's actually easier not to be a Christian. Uh, it's becoming that way. Um, in several countries, it already is. And, um, and so that, but Paul is sharing this, this, this idea that even though it's not part of the norm, you can not, you see, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power. This right here is the climax of the, the, his introduction. He's making an introduction to, to the church and the assembly in Rome, right? Saying, I'm writing to you guys. This is who I am, and this is why I'm writing, and this is the climax. This is the, 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 it establishes the theme for the rest of the book of Romans. The rest, the rest of the letter is going to be wrapped up in these verses right here. And so as, as we, we go through the rest, it's so easy to get off track in the book of Romans. We can't forget this is the theme. Otherwise, we might read it wrong, or we might go off on tangents that don't really matter. Or we, This is the theme. For the rest of his life, the power of the gospel is the theme of the book of Romans. And without the gospel, without the power that uh, the gospel is, there's no salvation. 
There's no deliverance. There's no life. So everything God wants for us can be wrapped up, can be found in the gospel. And that's, uh, that's what the book, letter of Romans, all, Romans is all about. And so with the power of the gospel, Paul is planning on coming to the most powerful city at that time period, Rome. And he's going to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a, a Scottish theologian named James Stewart, and um, he made a comment that I was like, I don't know if I've ever thought about it this way. He said, there's no sense in declaring that you're not ashamed of something unless you're tempted to feel ashamed of it. I don't know if I'd ever thought about it that way. We often think of Paul as this invincible, he's Paul. <laughs> Yet we see him here, this temptation. He says, I'm not, I'm declaring that I'm not ashamed because the temptation is to hide it. 1 Corinthians 2, 3 says, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. We often see Paul as this larger-than-life character. But he's just like us, who has the same fears you do when you think, when you feel God calling you to say, maybe you should tell your neighbor or that person on that's next to you at the grocery store about, about Jesus Christ, and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> Paul has the same temptation that you're facing right then. Paul's fear is not in the gospel itself. But he's speaking before royalty, rabbis, rulers, and the rest of the rabble, right? Um, to him, is it, you know, it makes no difference. He's going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's going to, and we're going to talk as we go later on, he's going to talk about how the gospel is for everybody. In verse 17, Paul actually is quoting something that God said to the, the, um, the prophet Habakkuk. Now, some of you are like, Habakkuk? That's in the Old Testament. It's one of those prophets. Habakkuk is one of those um, prophets that make us feel uncomfortable because he's known as the questioning prophet or the, maybe even some, sometimes the doubting prophet. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's, <laughs> he begins his, his letter, Habakkuk does, he's at his wit's end with God. And he's, he, Habakkuk... Um, God has said he's going to use a nation that's more wicked, the Babylonians, to punish the Israelites. Um, and Habakkuk's crying out with complaint of injustice. Um, I've heard it said that Habakkuk was embarrassed and ashamed of God's inaction and his choice. He's saying there's all this going on and yet you're using Babylon 
to punish your righteous chosen people? He's actually quite, uh, in the back of the questioning prophet, Habakkuk reads as like he is um, kind of ashamed of what God is doing. Um, I'm going to paraphrase here. God answers Habakkuk. He says, I'm about to reveal to you something, Habakkuk, that, that, that I want you to record so that heralds may go and proclaim it. That's Habakkuk 2.2. And, and, and my, in my revelation of my righteousness will, uh, will, will put the rest of your fears and the, of inaction and injustice to rest. But... Here's what Paul's quoting. He says, until my righteousness is revealed, right? God is saying, you who are the righteous one must trust me and live by faith. Saying, I know it doesn't make sense to you. That's what God says to Habakkuk during this time. I know it doesn't make sense to you. I know you, from your point of view, you're, not, you're seeing things and you're like, God, why aren't you? Why are you doing this to us? Why are you? How many of you guys feel like that sometimes in your life, right? Why is this happening? And we look at the world around us and you're like, God, why are we allowed? What, what, what? Some of you had tragedy happen in your life. God, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this to happen to me? And he's saying, you know, I know that things don't make sense to you. And on the individual level, I know that it's horrible. On the grander scale of things, it's very difficult and it's injustice. But things are going to start making sense. And until then, you've got to trust me. And you who are righteous, you who are, must live by faith. There's nothing, Paul, uh, there's, uh, God says to Habakkuk, basically, there's nothing you can do to fix the situation. You just have to live by faith. Now, fast forward to AD 57. Paul is writing to a community of believers who live in the most powerful city of the world and and. Just three years prior to the writing of this letter, the Roman emperor Claudius, who ruled, his rule had just ended. During Claudius' rule, he had actually banished all Jews from Rome, kicked them all out because of Christ, because of the uprising in Christianity, because they were breaking the Roman peace. So he had kicked all of them out of Rome. And this, this is what's on their mind. Is these, these, he's speaking to the group, both the, the, the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, Paul, you know, Aquila and Priscilla, you guys remember those in the, the scriptures, right? They actually, he meets them in Corinth where they had settled after being kicked out of Rome. Because they were kicked out of Rome during this time period. Uh, that's Acts 18. Um, so, when Claudius' reign ended, the Jews were allowed to return back to Rome, but this banishment was, had sown doubt, 
It's an unsettling, disruptive effect on the, on the body of believers that were in Rome. And, and it's, unfortunately, this is actually only a foretaste of what's going to come for the, 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 those Jewish Christians, Jews and Gentiles in Rome. Uh, Paul actually himself is going to be uh, killed under the emperor Nero. Um, he's going to face a martyr's death. Um, yeah, Paul only makes it to Rome when he's in chains. And, um, and uh, you know, and, and, and so as when he says, I'm not ashamed, he's facing, he's, he's addressing a bunch of people that there's a very real instance where people have been kicked out of the city. Can you imagine if someone just came in here and says, all you Christians, get out. By force of military law, if you don't, you die. That's what was happening to them. If you don't, you die. Imagine the temptation to say, you know what? <laughs> this ain't for me. Or I'll be in secret. I'll be a, a closet Christian. Very real temptation. So when he's making that public statement, I'm not ashamed. And though I know things aren't making sense right now, the righteous shall live by faith. He's reading from back and knowing that these Roman believers need a revelation from God. They need some good news. Paul's saying, the good news is always here, already here. That is Jesus Christ. In the midst of your confusion, that's Jesus Christ. Paul is heralding in not to be ashamed under any circumstance because God's righteousness is revealed in the gospel. He's saying that the, uh, the power of Rome, the gods of Rome, just like Habakkuk was saying in Babylon, they have no match for, they're no match for the power of Yahweh. which Paul tells us is wrapped up in the good news of Jesus Christ. God's righteousness will be revealed. And rather than think, hey, you're powerless to change Rome, the gospel is here to change the lives of the people of Rome. Uh, let's, let's, okay, we went from Babylon to Rome. Let's go to America. Let's go to today. Fast forward to our current era where believers are seeing this cultural shift. We, we've been talking about this whole time. We're seeing a cultural shift. And we feel powerless to fight against this cultural shift. It's the Western world is said to be in a post-Christian era. And believers can be, uh, feel powerless to affect the ties that bring constant pressure, pressures to conform to a way of thinking, uh, a different lifestyle, 
different rules and regulations, redefining what's right and wrong, even contradictory lifestyles to what Christ is. And we need the same thing that Habakkuk needed at 600 B.C. Same thing the oppressed believers needed at at 50 A.D. That's the revealing God, power of the gospel. The gospel is the revelation of of hope that we don't have the, the gospel is the power not to change the society we live in, but to change the people that live in there. Sometimes we as Christians want to fight against the man and the, the rules and the regulations. The only way we win that war is if we stop fighting it and bring the power of the gospel to the people that live here. That's how that war is won. By bringing the power, the transforming power of Jesus Christ. As Paul is proclaimed in uh, Romans 1, 16, 17, he says he brings an insight to a truth that's, uh, that was said in the Old Testament too, Isaiah 55, 11. He says, so my word has come from my mouth, they will not return empty, but will accomplish what desires and achievements the purpose will be sent. The gospel does not contain the power of God. The power of God, uh, it is the power of God to everyone who believes. To everyone who believes, the gospel is the power of God. From the Jews, the, the Gentiles, the rich to the poor, Starting with Israel, the gospel flows to the nations. And so that proclamation of God will change the world, including Laughlin. And as we think about this, we must first realize that the gospel has a, is a, it's a living, transformative power. It changes yourself, right? Before we can use it as a binoculars, we have to use it as a mirror. I stole that from someone else. I don't remember who. It was another pastor I heard sometimes say that. <laughs> but it stuck with me because before we can use those binoculars, we have to use it as a mirror. But it transforms us. It transforms us. And as it transforms us, like Paul, we have to herald in the divine message unashamed, unwavering, and committed that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. 
<coughs> no man comes to the Father except through him. And the righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel, empowering us to live with courage and conviction and, uh, 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 and conviction in a world that surely needs it. And so we think about what our next steps are. For our next steps, we have to be in a world that is it's ever becoming more and more tempted. Well, first you have to say, have I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, in the first place, right? That has to be, if that's not your next step, then, um, if you have not done that, that's the first next step. But if you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the, 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 we have to ask yourself, am I... Ashamed. So I don't, I don't know about ashamed, but I'm maybe embarrassed. That's another word for the same thing that Paul was pointing at. It's with strength and conviction that we say, and it's, and it's one thing to say I'm, you know, we can be embarrassed of behaviors of other Christians. That's okay. Um, I, it happens to me all the time. Like, uh, that's not a very Christian way to behave. And then we catch ourselves doing that too. Uh, that's not a very Christian way to behave. That's not what we're ashamed of. We're ashamed, uh, but when we don't tell people the transformative power of the gospel, we're ashamed of the power of God. We're ashamed of Christ. Uh, we're not ashamed of him. Even though it's tempting to say, well, I, I, don't, I just don't know how. I don't know. Yeah, those excuses are just another way of saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to tell people because I don't. I'm ashamed of it. Because if we really believed in the transformative nature of Christ, of the gospel, then even you say, of course I don't know how. He's going to take care of it. And I've seen some of the best witnesses through people that stumbled over their words, followed none of the things we learned in seminary, and <laughs> because God took care of it. And isn't that what Paul is saying? He says, I'm not ashamed. Even though I'm tempted in a world that's falling away. And some of you are going to face, some of you are already facing that temptation. And some of you are going to face that temptation. This world falls away. You're gonna, and we're just going to say, God, why doesn't this make sense? And he's going to say, you know what? Until it does, I need you righteous to live by faith and be not ashamed and take the power of the gospel with you. Father God, right now, I praise you, Lord. I pray that you would... Lord, when we are tempted to be ashamed or embarrassed or, or fearful, Lord, help us to remember the power of the gospel, that it has changed us, that it's changed us from the inside out so that the world may see that we can take your power, that we can tell others about your life, a life that leads away from the, the, the path of destruction. 
Lord, I pray that, that we may follow suit with, with, with Paul as we, we say, say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of its power for salvation. And as I'm not ashamed and it's salvation, Lord, I pray that we may be righteous before you and, re, and, and, and may live in faith. And Lord, I pray that as we are not ashamed and we take the gospel, Lord, that you would, you would not let it fall on deaf ears. That not let it come back void. Lord, I pray that you may change the people around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to go to a time of invitation, which is a time we invite you to